0: blog talk radio
1: you ready? It's time to start. This should be played at high volume. This is the Andrea Shay King Show. And I'm just a gal like any other gal. That's cool. Do you know
2: what this is? What is this? The
0: Andrea Shay King Show.
1: It's me, don't you remember?
2: We were just talking about
1: you. Totally amazing. Thank you. The
0: Andrea Shay King Show.
1: I think you've got something there.
0: Andrea Shea King.
1: You're really going to like it. Quite understandable.
0: It's on the air.
1: Something's
2: definitely going on here. Take my word for it. Now. Come on. It's showtime. Make it so. Ready,
0: go. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the program as we kick off another week on this Monday, January 22nd. And I'm telling you right now, there are nights when two hours for a show just are not enough and tonight is one of those nights I have been reading right up until the bell rang here for the show to start there's just stuff that is busting out all over the place and um, I have planned the show you know and, and we'll try and stick with the uh, format that I put together but I'm going to kind of rearrange a few things here because there's so much popping Oh my gosh. First of all, let me tell you that uh over the weekend QAnon or Q uh posted several more messages up at 8chan and um Dr. Jerome Corsi actually uh decoded some of them. Um the, uh, some of the ones that went, went up on Sunday night. Today tonight uh, just a little while ago, uh more of them went up. And um, people are buzzing all over the place about these because, you know, those um, five months worth of FBI texts that supposedly are lost. Well, they're not lost. (laughs) No, they're not. I'm telling you, this is this is getting ready to burst wide open. And when it does, it's going to be crazy out there. It's going to be crazy because the media and the left and the Democrats are going to be fighting for their lives. And just like a drowning man that you dive in to save, that drowning man will try to pull you under in his panic. And so I, I expect that this is what's going to be happening as well. All right. I want to say hi to the folks who are in the chat room. We've got Bob Evers, several guests, Golf Dogs, Bob Anthony, all the regulars are there. Nice to see you there. Thanks for coming in. And also on the telephone lines, we've got a couple of... Um, Folks who are listening in, area code 260 and 518. If you want to join them, you can dial in 646. Four seven eight four six zero four. Okay, and as the show gets moving forward, uh, as we un, un- unroll it, um, more people will be joining us as well. It's amazing uh, how many people listen to this program not when it's live, but later on in the podcast version. I mean, my numbers are just jumping sky high, but I don't think it's unusual. I think that a lot of people who are tracking this um, breaking information, um, their numbers are climbing as well. I would was listening today to um, Jason Goodman. Uh, he did. A, he does a Sunday show with Charles Ortel. And by the way, it's a two and a half hour show this past weekend, and I haven't even gotten through half of it. I went for a walk on the beach today, and I was trying to get all caught up on George Webb's audios and and uh, uh, Farmer Jones. And I mean, it's just just so much out there, um, but. You, you, you well my point being is that Jason Goodman says that he's had over 9 million views total in the year that he has been doing crowdsource for the truth crowdsourcing for the truth on YouTube 9 million views that's a lot. And especially given the fact that he does long form, which is um well anywhere from an hour to two hours, which is what this program is, only he's doing it on YouTube and you can see him. You know you're not seeing me, you're hearing me, but kind of typical program. Nevertheless, um, you know, he's uh, being supported through Patreon. People who are subscribed to him, who donate to him. And think about this for a minute. Nine million views If each of those people who viewed his videos gave him a dollar, he'd have $9 million. (laughs) It's pretty incredible. A lot of people are starting to earn an income. This is the new media, folks. You know it. I know it. They know it. And when you back it up with money, when you show people your appreciation for what they're doing by donating on a a regular basis, you can make a – I don't know if you can make a living at it yet, but you can certainly – Build the foundation for it. No doubt about it. Okay. um, Boy, where do I start? Well, anyway, okay, getting back to to just say that, that you, you, it is a long program. He does it every Sunday, they talk about the Clinton Foundation, and they talk about the people involved. And it is so interesting. Oh, my gosh, you've got to listen to it, Um, even though it's that long. Just, But, you know, on a Sunday afternoon, if you're going for a drive or you're going for a walk or whatever, tune it in and listen, because it's a college, it's it's like a college lecture on the Clintons and their background and all the things they've done and what has led them to where they are today. Um, He's done several uh, uh, programs with Charles Ortel. We've had Charles on the program here before. And he's excellent. He's just excellent. But I I leave it to Jason because Jason has developed such a rapport with him now. I mean, they they almost finish finish each other's um, uh, sentences. I was going to say sandwiches. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. But so I recommend that. The other one I've been listening to is Farmer Jones and Farmer Jones lives in Florida. He's I believe he's a constitutional lawyer. He's definitely a lawyer. He knows the Constitution. Uh, I heard it said that he was a constitutional lawyer, So, but I don't know that for a fact. But I will tell you, this guy sounds like John B. Wells on Caravan to Midnight. He isn't him, but he sounds like him. He's got one of those deep, deep baritone voices. And of course, he's a cigarette smoker, which makes his voice even deeper. And he's. He's funny. He's he's a cool cat. He really is a cool cat, um, and he usually does his bits, you know, fifteen twenty minutes. And he he's very close to George Webb. They talk a lot. They, in fact, he sometimes has George on his program, which is really helpful because George tends to talk in shorthand and rapidly, and and his his. Reports can be sometimes a little confusing and convoluting. Farmer Jones slows him right down and keeps him on track. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So I'm listening to Farmer Jones. I'm listening to Jason Goodman with Charles Ortel on Sundays. Um, I'm, I'm listening to George Webb. I'm listening to Tracy Beans. I mean, I'm not watching any television at all. <laughs> I, I get up and I listen to this stuff and I'm listening to it throughout the day. And believe me, I mean we're all on the same page, and we're all discovering more and more information. So, having said all of that, let's. Why don't we kick it off with? Um, let's see. All right. Well, well, let me just finish off so I can so I can check the box on the Charles Ortel thing. This week, he's talking to Jason Goodman and the listeners about the key to understanding Uranium One, Russia, and the Clintons, and Charles. And Jason, have a real talent for being able to explain things simply, uh, not slowly, but calmly, so that you understand. You understand. It's not You're not left going, scratching your head going, what the hell is he saying? No, 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 no. So this week, the key to understanding Uranium One, Russia, and the Clintons. Definitely put it on your must-watch list. It's two and a half hours long, but... You listen to Rush Limbaugh for three hours, right? Right. And that's commercials. This is commercial free. So let me just put in a plug for that. Okay. Um, top secret FISA court order. Obama spying on political enemies. I guess we'll start with that. I'm just going to – I have all these things up on my tabs on the top of my page, and we're just going to click right through them, okay? I also have the audio of um, Joe Genova. Talking about the uh, Obama administration, and and this is an interview that he did with um, Ginny, oh gosh, I didn't write down her name, Ginny, I can't think of her last name, with Daily Caller. And people are buzzing about this, too. And when I watched it, I thought, oh, i got to grab this audio. This is Monday night's show for sure. It runs about, uh, oh, 31 minutes, 31 minutes, 19 seconds. But I'm telling you, you'll be, you'll be sitting on the edge of your seat when you listen to it. I also have some audio from George Webb talking about the Hawaii-Utah download. I'm going to play that for you. That's about four minutes long. Um And I think that's it for all. – oh, one other thing, one other piece of audio that I want to play for you, but I'm going to have to play it on um, my phone, and that's Pat Cadell. Pat Cadell talking about how the um, Democrat Party is – they've lost control of their base, and uh, he's he's saying what those of us who have been paying attention know, and that is that Chuck Schumer put the Democrats in a box – and Trump played it beautifully. As I as I posted on my Facebook page, the art of the deal, baby, the art of the deal, with a picture of Trump with a little shit-eating grin on his face. And that's basically what it comes down to. What we saw happening with this whole government shutdown and the Democrats saying, no, we're not going to play unless you give us DACA. Well, they got Kaka instead of DACA, and they deserve it because they put... The dreamers, uh, in air quotes, ahead of Americans, ahead of our military, ahead of of CHIP, uh, insurance for children, they are not loyal to the country, these Democrats. Now, I'm not saying that all of them are like that. There might be some Democrats in the Senate who are just writhing over the discomfort, with discomfort over what their leadership is doing to them. I, I would not want to be one of them in uh, in a, a state that Trump took come uh, 20, uh, November 2018. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, no, they've got to be scared. They've got to be sweating it because Schumer just screwed them. And <laughs> what's he going to do when they come up with the vote? What in three weeks from now? I think it's, it's February 8th is when they're going to go back and 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 do it again. Oh. Trump is playing them like a violin, like a Stradivarius. I'm loving it. Absolutely loving it. Okay, um oh, oh, also um as I as I click on the first tab, I forgot. Charles Ortel has written an article over at Zet. Let's like Lifezet, you know, um what's her name? Um Laura Ingram's um newspaper there. Online newspaper. I don't even know if she's still doing it or not. I, I heard that. Um, I thought it was somebody else is over there now running it. Oh, Mark Tapscott. So I don't know. I, I don't know if she's kind of relinquished her her involvement with it since she's now you know on the payroll of Fox News. I don't know. But anyway, Charles Ortell has the article up at Life Zet, Paula Zet. and I'll give you the link in the chat room. For those of you who aren't uh, listening to the live show and may not be in the chat room, you can find it at LifeZet.com. And again, the headline, The Key to Understanding Uranium One, Russia and the Clintons by Charles Ortel. It was updated on January 22nd today. Okay, so I'm going to pop the link um, into the chat room for those of you who are with us live. Okay, here we go. There you go. What's Farmer Jones Twitter? Uh yeah, that's a good question because you know what? I don't even know if he has a Twitter. I don't know if he tweets. I don't know if he tweets. I, I, I follow him on YouTube. Just go just go to YouTube and type in Farmer Jones and it'll bring you to him. And uh, you know, once you click on one of his videos and you hear that voice of his, that John B. Wells baritone you'll know <laughs> you hit it you ran into it okay <clears throat> all right so uh i'm i'm going to kind of leave it there i'm not going to get into this uh charles Ortel thing any further you're on your own with this one do your homework okay the next one is a uh, true pundit and this uh, is by the Investigative Bureau, which means that this is Thomas Paine, Thomas 1774 Paine. There are a lot of Thomas Paines out there, by the way. In fact, Lionel Nation, who I sometimes listening listen to, um, he had a guy on named Thomas Paine uh, who does his own thing with his wife, Betsy. Okay. These colonial names. Not to be confused with Thomas 1774 Paine of True Pundit. Okay. Two different people. All right. So. Over at True Pundit, and this was today, the FISA abuse memo unveiled what exactly is in the memo, according to Intel Insiders. You ready? Okay, here we go. Um, He starts off by saying that this has been republished from September 20th of 2017. So we're we're going back a few months here, four months, Um, when the FISA scheme was spelled out definitively by intel veterans at true pundit little did we know the information would ever go public but this summarizes what to largely expect when the fisa abuse memo is unveiled now let me also just jump in here and say that um, george webb and others are saying that everything you want to know about that four-page memo has already been published in a 99-page court filing court document, the FISA court document. And we'll, I think we're going to get into that. I hope so. I've been reading a lot of it and page, I think he said it's page 69 is where the, the real meat of it starts, where it starts naming names on this court document. But anyway, we'll get to that. Okay. So, um, over at True Pundit, he's writing from the beginning It was a setup to find dirt on Trump campaign insiders and, if possible, to topple Donald Trump's presidential aspirations before and after the 2016 election. And while this operation had many moving parts and alternating players, the mission to unseat Trump never changed. And it remains ongoing. Paul Manafort was wiretapped. Carter Page was wiretapped. Donald Trump Jr. was wiretapped. Jared Kushner was wiretapped. General Michael Flynn was wiretapped. And likely, there were others. And none of it was very legal. In fact, most of it was very illegal, according to federal law enforcement sources who are blowing the whistle on a sweeping scheme to undermine the executive branch and the electorate's choice for president of the United States. Now, mind you, this was written, again, prior to the election. And according to high-ranking FBI sources... The Bureau played a definitive role in plotting this sweeping privacy breach, but the FBI had much help from the NSA, the CIA, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, Treasury Financial Crimes Division under the Department of Homeland Security, and the Justice Department, federal law enforcement sources confirmed. The deep state caretakers involved are familiar names, James Comey with the FBI, John Brennan with the CIA, James Clapper, ODNI, Loretta Lynch with the DOJ, Jay Johnson with the Department of Homeland Security. Director of the GCHQ, this is the British uh, uh, spy uh, Like Scotland, Scotland Yard only—it's the the um, like our CIA. Uh, Robert Hannigan, who has since resigned from the esteemed British spy agency, highly regarded. Okay, Um, President Barack Obama's White House too could be implicated, sources said. But while evidence certainly points to involvement of the Obama administration, sources said they did not have access to definitive intelligence proving such a link. Here's what we now know per intelligence that's gleaned from federal law enforcement sources with insider knowledge of what amounts to a plot by U.S. intelligence agencies to secure backdoor and illegal wiretaps of President Trump's associates. Health Task Force, spearheaded by CIA's Brennan, to run domestic surveillance on Trump Associates and possibly Trump himself. Next, to feign ignorance and to seemingly operate within U.S. laws, the agencies freelanced the wiretapping of Trump Associates to the British spy agency, GCHQ. The decision to insert GCHQ as a backdoor to eavesdrop was sparked by the denial of two FISA court warrant applications filed by the FBI to seek wiretaps of Trump associates. Now, a lot of this we already know now. It's already come out. But remember, this was back in September when Thomas Paine was breaking this news. Okay? There are a lot of people out there right now who are claiming to be the authors of all of this investigative report. Me a little bit when I see uh, certain uh, websites, let's just say, um, claiming that mantle. It's like, no, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. That was George Webb, and that was that was true pundit Thomas Paine. They were way out front of everybody else. But anyway, I digress. Um, the GCHQ uh, did not work from London or the United Kingdom. In fact, the spy agency worked from NSA headquarters in Fort Meade, Maryland. Heard that from George Webb months ago, last summer, with direct NSA supervision and guidance to conduct sweeping surveillance on Trump associates. The illegal wiretaps were initiated months before the controversial Trump dossier compiled by former British spy Christopher Steele. The Justice Department and the FBI and Kushner with controversial Russian officials to make Trump's associates appear compromised. Following the Trump Tower sit-down, GCHQ began digitally wiretapping Manafort, Trump Jr., and Kushner. After the concocted meeting by the deep state, the British spy agency could officially justify wiretapping Trump associates as an intelligence front for NSA because the Russian lawyer at the meeting, Natalia Veselnitskaya, was considered an international security risk and, prior to the June sit-down, was not even allowed entry into the United States or the United Kingdom, according to federal sources. By using GCHQ, the NSA and its intelligence partners had carved out a loophole to wiretap Trump without a warrant. Emails of U.S. citizens inside the United States absent a warrant, it is not illegal for British intelligence to do so even if the GCHQ was tapping Trump on U.S. soil at Fort Meade. The wiretaps, secured through illicit scheming, have been used by U.S. Special Counsel Robert Mueller's probe of alleged Russian collusion in the 2016 election, even though the evidence is considered poisoned fruit. Veselnitskaya, the Russian lawyer who spearheaded the Trump Tower meeting with the Trump campaign trio, was previously barred from entering the United States due to her alleged connections to the Russian FSB, which is, of course, the modern replacement of the Cold War era. KGB. Yet mere days before the June meeting, Veselnitskaya was granted a rare visa to enter the United States from Preet Barara, not Bahara. I know a lot of people are looking at that name and they're saying Bahara. It's Barara, B-H-A-R-A-R-A, Barara, the then U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York. Barara could not be reached for comment and did not respond to a Twitter inquiry on the Russians visit by True pundit. It goes on from here, okay? And you know the story. I don't have to I don't have to continue with it. I will give you the link to this again. This is over at True pundit, and the headline is for those who aren't uh, live. the FISA abuse memo unveiled. What exactly is in the memo, according to Intel Insiders, posted on January 22nd? Okay, I'm just going to drop this in. Here we go. In the, in the interest of time, because we've got a lot to cover tonight, an awful lot. Okay, so let me click off of that. Check that box. Next. Um, hmm. Top secret FISA court order. President Obama spying on political enemies. This is on Scrib or Scribe D, and it was uploaded by the Conservative Treehouse in May, I think May of uh, 2017, okay? And what this is, is this is a 99-page, originally top-secret United States Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court Memorandum Opinion and Order, okay? It was, um, I I, I don't know who... um, uh, took off the top secret designation, but it is no longer. It was made public, and it was uh, actually stamped. It is stamped, filed United States Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, April twenty sixth, twenty seventeen. Okay, now this this memorandum opinion and order. It's written in all you know typical uh, uh, legalese. All right, typical legalese, especially at the beginning. Blah 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 blah. blah. But then you get down to is um, it page 69, I said. Now, let me scroll down. You can't see me doing it, but I am scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. There must be a way to get to that page quicker with D than when I'm doing it, but that's all right. You're with me, and we'll do this together. All right. We're almost there. Almost there. Page 51, page 53, page 59, 66, 67, 68. Here we go. Page 69. Okay, um, this is uh, I actually, I'm starting on page 68 too, because otherwise it's right in the middle of a sentence if I jump. Failure of access controls in FBIs and then indicating that a failure of access controls in an FBI database containing raw 702 acquired information resulted in blank, redacted, FBI employees improperly receiving access to such information. I think we now know that it's about 35, 35 FBI employees. And I'm not sure that that includes the contractors because, and if it might, but this means also that people who did not have security clearances had access to this raw information, okay? Acquired through Section 702 of the FISA Act. Okay um specifically redacted allowed redacted users access to 702 acquired information when only redacted were cleared for such access this violated and this resulted in violations of section 3a and 3b of the fbi's minimization procedures the government provided testimony on this issue at a hearing on redacted filed a supplemental notice on redacted indicating that redacted fisa acquired products were quote exported redacted users who were not authorized to access these products on redacted the government filed what was styled as a final notice on this issue redacted notice and that's in parentheses that notice indicated that the fbi redacted had not disseminated the fisa acquired products and all redacted users had deleted from their systems, the raw FISA acquired information they had exported in the courts. And then there's a whole several lines redacted. And then it says in the court's assessment, the government has appropriately remedied this incident. Really? (laughs) Really? Yeah. Yeah. This, again, this is back last year. This is back in April. Okay. Um, NSA failures to complete required purges, this is on July 13, 2015, the government filed a notice regarding NSA's purge processes for FISA-acquired information in its mission management systems. That notice, and it was a July 13, 2015 notice, that notice indicated that the NSA had not been removing records associated with Section 702 data subject to purge from purge uh, process for FISA-acquired information. That would be the October 5, 2015 notice. That notice indicated that NSA had now removed from Redacted all Section 702 acquired records that were marked as subject to purge. On October 28, 2015, however, the government filed another supplemental notice regarding NSA's purge process in which it reported that a technical malfunction in redacted had rendered the aforementioned purges incomplete. It goes on from there. I will give you the link to this uh, document to which George Webb and I can't remember who else it was that said uh, it might have been to Geneva. This, you want to know what's in the four-page memo, read this court document. It's all in there, and it's public. It's public. Okay, so let's check that box. We got that done. Today, um, over at uh, Zero Hedge, uh, headline, who's lying? FBI says five months of texts lost, yet I.G. Horowitz says his office received them in August. Well, then I hear later on, I read later on, that no, that's not the truth, that that, um, no, they don't have them. But let me share with you what was written here at uh, Zero Hedge. A major contradiction has been discovered between yesterday's revelation that the FBI lost five months of text messages and a claim by the DOJ's inspector general for the texts in question between FBI employees Peter Strzok and his mistress, Lisa Page, last August. Knowledge of the missing texts was revealed in a Saturday letter from Ron Johnson, Republican of Wisconsin, Chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, after the committee received an additional 384 pages of text messages between Strzok and Page, several of which contained anti-Trump, pro-Clinton bias. The new DOJ submission included a cover letter from the Assistant AG for Legislative Affairs, Stephen Boyd, Claiming that the FBI was unable to preserve text messages between the two agents for a five-month period between December 14, 2016 and May 17, 2017 due to, air quotes, 10,000 texts which were recovered from their devices without incident. Interesting, huh? This is the 18-minute tape. This is Nixon's 18-minute tape. Evelyn Lincoln was it? Evelyn Lincoln who erased them? No, I, no, that wasn't who it was. Evelyn Lincoln was Kennedy's uh, secretary. I can't remember the secretary's name. Not important. But eighteen minutes tapes erased. Oh yeah. Um, this is uh, this is taken right out of uh, the letter that uh, Ron Johnson wrote, um, saying, uh, on January nineteenth, twenty eighteen, the Department of Justice produced three hundred eighty-four pages of text messages exchange between FBI employees Lisa, Lisa Page and The Trump FBI did not preserve text messages between Ms. Page and Mr. Strzok between approximately December and May. The cover letter explained, quote, the department wants to bring to your attention that the FBI's technical system for retaining text messages sent and received on FBI mobile devices failed to preserve text messages for Mr. Strzok and Ms. Page, blah, 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 The FBI has informed the Department of Justice that many FBI-provided Samsung 5 mobile devices did not capture or store text messages due to misconfiguration issues related to rollouts, provisioning, and software upgrades that conflicted with the FBI's collection capabilities. The result was that data that should have been automatically collected and retained for long-term storage and retrieval was not collected. To which Ron Johnson then writes... The loss of records from this period is concerning because it is apparent from other records that Mr. Strzok and Ms. Page communicated frequently about the investigation. In February 2016, Mr. Page texted Mr. Strock, or Ms. Page texted Mr. Strock, that then candidate Trump simply cannot be president. Okay. The entire letter is available for you to read. It's out there. You just have to Google or or search for it. I shouldn't say Google. People who say Google, it's like slap your... Go, go, go wash your mouth out with soap. Don't Google. Duck, duck, go. Or bing, or anything, but Google. However, as the Gateway Pundits, Josh Kaplan, points out, the lost text messages are in direct contradiction... To a December 13, 2017, letter from the DOJ's internal watchdog, Inspector General Michael Horowitz, to Senate Judiciary Committee Chuck Grassley and the House uh, uh, HSGAC Chairman Ron Johnson, in which he claims he received the texts in question on August 10, 2017. So we got Inspector General Michael Horowitz saying, oh, yeah. I, got, I have them. I have the texts in question. I got them on August 10th, 2017. And this is, this is now from um, uh, uh, Horowitz, what I'm going to read to you next. In gathering evidence for the OIG's ongoing 2016 election review, we requested, consistent with standard practice, that the FBI produce text messages from the FBI-issued phones of certain FBI. politically-oriented text messages between Page and Strzok, the OIG sought from the FBI all text messages between Strzok and Page from their FBI-issued phones through November 30, 2016, which covered the entire period of the Clinton email server investigation. The FBI, this is key, FBI produced these text messages on July 20, 2017. Following our review of those text messages, the OIG expanded our request to the FBI to include all text messages between Strzok and Page from November 30, 2016 through the date of the document request, which was July 28, 2017. The OIG received these additional messages on August 10, 2017 Let me repeat that The Office of Inspector General Received these additional Messages on August 10th 2017 He put it in writing Now this glaring Contradiction suggests someone's either Lying or perhaps Simply incompetent Hmm Yesterday Chuck Ross tweeted I've had a couple of questions on this. I'm told that Department of Justice's Inspector General, quote, does not have the missing Strock page text messages. And then he he, he, uh, cites a link to the Daily Caller. Did Horowitz's office think they had received the texts in question without actually verifying? Did the Department of Justice screw up? and failed to read Horowitz's letter before losing the text messages so that leaky congressional investigators wouldn't see them? Either way, this question needs answering. Now, while you can draw your own conclusions, keep in mind that Inspector Horowitz has been described as your archetypical Boy Scout bureaucrat who, as we reported two weeks ago, fought the Obama administration to restore powers taken away from the OIG by then Attorney General Eric Holder. After a multi-year battle, Representative Jason Chaffetz successfully introduced House Resolution 6450, the Inspector General Empowerment Act of 2016, signed by a defeated lame-duck President Obama into law on December 16, 2016, Cementing an alliance between Horowitz and both houses of Congress. And Congress has been very engaged with Horowitz's investigation, spoon-feeding the OIG all the questions they need in order to nail the DOJ, the FBI, and the Obama administration for what many believe to be egregious abuses of power. As such, the OIG report is expected to be a bombshell, while also satisfying a legal requirement for the Department of Justice to impartially appoint a special counsel to launch an official criminal investigation into the matter. The report will go from the Office of the Inspector General to both investigative committees of Congress, along with Attorney General Jeff Sessions. And at this point, Harowitz's office needs to clarify whether or not they indeed took delivery of the lost text messages. If the OIG does indeed have them, well, it's going to be interesting to get to the bottom of exactly what the Department of Justice claims happened. And particularly juicy if they're caught in a lie. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is it? And not only that, but guess what? In Q's messages tonight, NSA has them. NSA, in an oblique way, he points out that the NSA has them. Now, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But before we do, I want to play for you. I want to kind of set this up and then play for you the interview that Ginny Thomas, that's her name, Ginny Thomas, with the Daily Caller did with um, former federal prosecutor, and uh, also former uh, 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 Attorney General for, the, I think, the District of D.C., uh, Joe uh, Geneva did with her. This is startling. This is absolutely startling. He says that the truth is starting to seep out about the Obama administration's, uh, quote, brazen plot to exonerate Hillary Clinton and frame an incoming president with a false Russian conspiracy. This lays it all out, ladies and gentlemen. Wait until you hear this. If you haven't heard it yet, buckle up. If you have already heard it, stay with me. We're going to listen to it again. Here we go. Joe, Joe Geneva talking with Ginny Thomas of The Daily Caller.
1: So connect the dots for us and tell the significance of the fact patterns that are starting to get unraveled. Why is this a big deal?
2: It's a big deal because I I have a saying. The FBI used to spy on the Russians. This time they spied on us. What this story is about, about, it's about a brazen plot to, again, exonerate Hillary Clinton From a clear violation of the law with regard to the way she handled classified information with her private server, absolutely a crime, absolutely a felony. It's about finding out why, as the Inspector General is doing at the Department of Justice, why Comey and the senior DOJ officials conducted a fake criminal investigation of Hillary Clinton, followed none of the regular rules gave her every break in the book, immunized all kinds of people, allowed the destruction of evidence, no grand jury, no subpoenas, no search warrants. That's not an investigation. That's a Potemkin village. It's a farce, and everybody knew it was a farce. The problem was, she didn't win. And because she didn't win, the farce became a very serious opera. It wasn't a comic opera anymore. It was a tragic opera and she was going to be the focus. What this is about is, this is about a lavabo, a cleansing of the FBI and the upper echelons of the Department of Justice. We're going to discover that the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, her deputy, Sally Yates, uh, the head of the National Security Division, John Carlin, Bruce Orr, and other senior DOJ officials, and regrettably, line attorneys, people who were senior career civil servants, violated the law, perhaps committed crimes, and covered up crimes by a presidential candidate. But more than that, they tried to frame an incoming president with a false Russian conspiracy that never existed, and they knew it, and they plotted to, to ruin him as a candidate and then destroy him as a president. That's why this is important. That's why connecting the dots is important, because the FBI now has to be completely reconstructed from the ground up. The men and women at the Bureau are great people. That's not who we're talking about. We never have been. We are talking about people like James Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, Baker, Prystep, who's named nobody knows. He's the head of the counterintelligence division. And he was the one who was involved in planning this entire crazy thing involving Fusion GPS, the false dossier, and creating evidence. This this is what people have to understand. What the Bureau did was, by working with Fusion GPS and giving contractors access to highly classified information, which they had no legal right to see, they needed to create something they could give to the court, the Foreign Intelligence Court, so that they could get wiretaps and surveillance taps and email taps and phone taps on the Trump people so that if there was anything, they could find it out. Of course, there was nothing. There, was no, there never was anything. And they created false facts so that they could get surveillance warrants. Those are all crimes. Every single one of those acts constitutes a crime because it was done not for a legitimate law enforcement reason, not for national security reasons, but to create a false case against a candidate, Donald Trump, a president-elect Donald Trump, and a president, Donald Trump. The FISA court opinion of April 27th of 2017 outlines a series of illegal disclosures contractors. It is believed that among those contractors were Fusion GPS and CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike is the company that was used to bleach Hillary's computer. CrowdStrike, if what is being reported is true, and I've seen two reports about CrowdStrike being among the private contractors that were given access to raw 702 incidental collection of American citizens under FISA warrants. If that is true, they have committed crimes. The bureau who gave them information committed crimes. There is huge civil liability for CrowdStrike and for the FBI officials. And there is, right now, there's at least two lawsuits pending against Mr. Steele, the former MI6 agent who wrote the Steele dossier at at the payment of Fusion GPS. Fusion GPS has been sued. I expect if these facts come out from the FISA court showing that these contractors got this information, they will all be sued. Now, they may declare bankruptcy and not be able to pay, but the people don't realize that this is already on the public record, that these things happen. The question which has been blanked out from this opinion, as you can see, this is all dark, all through the opinion. What they've done is they've blanked out the names of the contractors and the names of the FBI and DOJ officials who broke the law. That is going to come out. That's what Nunes has. He has all that information now. He knows what's in these blanks that the court blanked out. The court did the right thing. It's not supposed to reveal that. But once you start doing oversight, constitutional oversight, those blanks go away to Congress. And we will know shortly who the private contractors were that were allowed to break the law by the FBI. When Comey goes to visit uh, President Trump at the White House about the Flynn case and all that, remember, the president is president at that point. There's no reason for Comey to be doing anything. If the president wanted to meet with him, he didn't have to go. He went and he told the president, for example, about the dossier. Now, why would an FBI director Tell a president about this salacious document, which Comey admitted under oath there was no proof for, no validity. He was playing J. Edgar Hoover. He was blackmailing the president of the United States. He was saying, I know all about this. Now, I'm not going to say anything about it, of course. Of course, if it ever gets out, it's just going to be awful. Do you want me to stay in my job? I mean, this Comey is a person so devoid of a moral compass, he describes himself as Thomas Beckett. I said somebody the other day, he's not Thomas Beckett. He's the assassin, Henry II, who killed Thomas Beckett. That's who Comey is. He's
1: an assassin. He's a political assassin. So when you follow the money of Fusion GPS, if the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign paid Fusion GPS, and that was part of the dossier that went to the FISA court, and it also was marketed through the journalistic community. Mm-hmm. Some people think that Fusion GPS was paying a lot of left-wing journalists who became propagandists to add these things to their stories. Have you heard that?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the understandable storyline that Fusion GPS paid journalists to then go out and tell a story... Uh, is the complete antithesis of American journalism and the First Amendment. Uh, we don't do that in this country. But if they did, uh, and it's pretty clear that they paid a lot of money to a lot of people, among whom were some journalists, there's just no doubt about that, uh, that's a scandal of immense proportion for the American journalism community, who seem to care little about that. Uh, the only thing the American journalism community seems to care about is destroying J- Donald Trump. It's fascinating to me that the people cared so deeply about governmental institutions in Watergate could care less about them now because it's re- another Republican who's being uh, destroyed. This is, this, is, this is as bad as it gets. When you have the government, the FBI and the DOJ being absolutely corrupted because of their motivations, and when you have the journalistic community being bought, it seems to me that's, that's pretty bad for all the institutions involved. And journalism is now below Congress in terms of uh, approval ratings. This is not going to help them. Uh, there have been rumors about the reason GPS fought the House Intelligence Committee subpoena was to prevent, not who their clients were. That's nonsense. They were protecting the people that they paid, and it's pretty obvious that Fusion GPS, um, they can pay anybody they want for information. They're not a government agency. They're not bound. They, if they want to pay for information and they think it's truthful or not truthful, but they want it, they can do that. It's clear that the reason they tried to protect, and they went to court to try and stop the House subpoena, but they lost in in front of Judge Richard Leon, was to protect to whom they were paying money to get information. Uh, I have read reports, I don't know whether they're true or not, that they paid a number of journalists to spread information about the dossier. Uh, It's not going to be long, though, because the House now has all of those records. They've been reviewed. And uh, Devin Nunes, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, has now and will start next week briefing individual members of the House uh, in closed sessions about what they've discovered. And I'm sure that what will leak out is who Fusion GPS paid. Uh, Fusion GPS, by the way, is really a joke. Uh, They wrote an op-ed piece in the New York Times about a week ago criticizing the House Committee and saying, uh, release all the transcripts and everything. Of course, everything that was released was blanked out because it had... Information that they wanted protected. Um, I, I think that that uh, what's what's quite clear is that they were a private intelligence service. They sold their services to the highest bidder. That was the Clinton campaign and the Democratic National Committee, and eventually the FBI, uh, which used them uh, and bootstrapped their information into FISA applications. And it is. It is, it is not too far astray to say that they became an arm of the conspiracy willingly and knowingly and that they uh, engaged in activity which was clearly designed to destroy a, a human being. Uh, and it's, it's pretty clear, according to James Comey, and maybe one of the few truthful things he said in all of his sworn testimony, that uh, there's nothing verified in that report uh, except that um, somebody... Like George Papadopoulos, to, oh, Carter Page took a trip, a perfectly legal trip uh, to Russia. Didn't do a thing wrong, didn't do anything wrong when he came back, and didn't do anything wrong before he went. Hope he wins his lawsuit.
1: So talk about the competing narratives in the scandal world right now, and what's the important timelines that, are, that you're watching?
2: Well, I, what's fascinating to me is how the people who want to defend everything that the bureau has done or the Department of Justice or the Clintons have turned to a series of narratives uh, to replace the truth. For example, um, once this whole thing broke, when when President Trump said, I was spied on by the President of the United States, he was laughed at. In fact, he was spied on by the President of the United States, by Barack Obama, under Barack Obama's orders and under the orders of John Brennan and Clapper, the Director of National Intelligence, and Susan Rice, the National Security Advisor, and Ben Rhodes, the Deputy National Security Advisor. Because what they did, which was part of a scheme which began in the year 2016, was to try to figure out a way to help Hillary Clinton get elected by exonerating her in her email scandal in her private server in New York, and then and she would be elected and then the problem of Donald Trump would go away. The problem was, she lost. And when she lost, they had time between the election in November of 2016 and the time between the president was inaugurated to try and do damage, uh, to cover up what they had done with Fusion GPS and a bunch of other people before the election, and to make it perfect after the election, to secure the storyline. And so, interestingly enough, people, uh, there there are some real heroes in this story. And uh, part of it is how you defeat these competing narratives. You'll recall that first, there's the story about the dossier, the so-called fusion GPS dossier, which we now know was developed with the assistance of the FBI. Christopher Steele, the former spy from England, Bruce Orr, a senior Justice Department official in the Obama administration, Bruce Orr's wife, who was an employee of Fusion GPS and a Russian expert. That all of a sudden became something uh, that people got worried about uh, on the Democratic side and on the protect the Clinton side. Then all of a sudden, when the, when the, The dossier got even stronger and stronger as a result of the knowledge about Bruce Orr's involvement. The dialogue shifted, and then it became that the dossier really wasn't important because George Papadopoulos, this know-nothing young guy who had been a end-of-the-room foreign policy advisor was the real guy who got the investigation into the president's collusion with the Russians started as a result of a drunken blathering in a bar to the Australian ambassador who then told MI6 in London. These narratives have developed because the facts are now so strong that there was a brazen plot to exonerate Hillary Clinton and then if she lost, Frame the President of the United States with a false crime that this is what they have been forced to do. Um, one of the heroes in this entire story is Admiral Mike Rogers, the head of the National Security Agency. He became the head of the National Security Agency in 2014. In 2015, uh, one of the auditors at the National Security Agency, our electronic surveillance SIGINT masterpiece from World War II came to him and said there's some funny things going on at the FBI with regard to 702 which of course is that part of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act which allows the scooping up of huge amounts of phone call data and uh, emails and electronic data about foreigners. And in the course of that allows the incidental collection of information about Americans Uh, which is supposed to be kept secret, Uh, but wasn't in this case because of the conduct of the FBI and the Obama administration Justice Department officials. Mike Rogers says, okay, let's do an audit. He does this in March of 2016. This is way in advance of the election. He then discovers, as a result of the audit, that the FBI has been sharing this secret data about Americans with Not other government agencies, but private contractors. Some of those contractors apparently work for the Democratic National Committee. Some of them work for Fusion GPS. Mr. Rogers, Admiral Rogers, says, okay, uh, the court, the FISC court, the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, has been lied to. They have not been told about this. And things have been told to them which are not true. He said, I'm going to the court. I'm going to tell the court. Rogers goes to the court on his own and informs the court about these problems. Now, prior to him being able to do that, the Justice Department and the FBI learn about what he's done, about the audit and what he's discovered. And so they go to the court first. To inform the court that they have discovered these problems with illegal activity. It doesn't make any difference, it's too late. The court now knows what has happened. So he goes to the court, they go to the court, and then in April of 2016 the FISA court issues this 99 page opinion which I'll bet you didn't even know about until I talked about it this morning. Uh, This opinion describes illegal activity by the FBI, illegal activity by contractors, and it calls it the improper disclosure of raw intelligence about Americans to unauthorized individuals. All of those things that the Bureau did and the contractors were crimes. Now, you wouldn't think, this is a public document now. It's been declassified. You have not seen a single story about this in the Washington Post or the New York Times. So, with this in hand, and remember, uh, uh, Rogers knows all about this before the election. So as soon as the election is held, um, Rogers determined determines that since there is now a president-elect who has been spied upon, he knows that Trump was the subject of a plot. So Admiral Rogers goes to visit visit President President Trump, Trump, President-elect Trump, in New York in November of 2016, on the 17th of November. He's the head of the NSA. He briefs the president. And it is after that briefing, the very next day, that President-elect Trump moves his entire staff out of Trump Tower... Bedminster, New Jersey where his golf club is and that's where the transition team stays until Trump Tower is debugged. What Admiral Rogers did was and this is why the president said that President Obama had wiretapped him. Rogers on that day, November 17th, briefed the president about the illegal activities which had been reported to the to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, Court earlier in the year and the president knew what had happened at that point. Now, interestingly enough, when the outgoing administration found that Admiral Rogers had gone to New York, the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, John Clapper, and John Brennan, the Director of the Central Intelligence Agency, asked President Obama to fire Admiral Rogers. Now, President Obama had many flaws, but he ain't no dummy. And he said, boys, it's too late. I'm not going to fire Admiral Rogers, because if I do, that'll be the only story about my last days in office, so you can forget it. And Rogers is there to this day, and when this story is written, when it's all over, the great hero will not be Robert Mueller, this, this crazy man that has been made the special counsel. It won't be the people on the Hill except for Devin Nunes, who is a real hero who has stood up under the most incredible personal attacks from real sleazeballs like Adam Schiff, this, this loony congressman from California. And it, it will be shown that Admiral Rogers uh, saved the day by, by forcing the senior Justice Department officials to, to admit that they had done wrong things. Now, there's another fascinating part of this story. In October of 2016, when Admiral Rogers is going to the court and forcing the Justice Department to advise the court that they had submitted false documents, that they, the DOJ, had submitted, unwittingly, had submitted false documents, as they say, Um, Admiral Rogers uh, is, plans are being made to fire him at that point, which of course never go forward because of what he does by going to New York. Um, All of this has come to a head at that point, and the court is now learning for the first time about this unbelievable activity for the first time in the history of the FISA court. It has been lied to, and according to the court, systematically and ongoing violations of the law. This is stunning stuff. Uh, And it's all because of Admiral Rogers. And that's where we are today. We are now at the point where Nunes has discovered this He discovered it back in March when he went to the White House and all of these documents were turned over to him by the incoming National Security Council staff. Uh, And so now we'll, we'll watch it play out. By the way, in October of 2016, the Assistant Attorney General in charge of the National Security Division at Justice for the Obama administration and the person who was responsible for signing the pleadings that went to the court was a fellow named John Carlin. Once this material was submitted to the court in October of 2016, revealing the violations of the law, Carlin resigned and has not been heard from since. No one could figure out why Carlin resigned. And I, I don't know why he resigned. There was plenty of time left in the administration. He just left. Uh, now, it may have been that you resigned because you don't want to be questioned by the inspector general who at that point had already begun an investigation of the FBI and the DOJ senior people based on Admiral Rogers' complaints. So that's another story that's going to play out. Where is John Carlin and what is he doing?
1: How do you explain to people, Joe, who who think that even if you talk about these things, you're a conspiracy yeah. theorist, you're a wacko, you're a crazy, because everyone knows it's the Trump-Russia collusion that we should be talking about?
2: Well. Uh, this is the, uh, the beauty of the false accusation. Uh, it goes around the world, and the truth ha- takes a long time to catch up. The Russian collusion was a complete fabrication of the Democratic National Committee, the Clinton campaign, Fusion GPS, senior DOJ and FBI officials to create a way to dirty up Trump as a candidate and then destroy him as a president. There is literally no evidence whatsoever that has ever been produced of any conspiracy. And and let me just say something that I find deeply offensive. The appointment of the special counsel was completely unnecessary. Um, There was no need for a special counsel. I don't know why Rod Rosenstein did it, but he did it. But there was no justification for it. And in fact, in his appointment letter and memorandum about it, he admits there's no crime that's been discovered, but... For political reasons this needs to be investigated well that's just utter nonsense look what he's done to a to an incoming president look at what he's done to the country by appointing a special counsel that should have been handed off to a bunch of senior doj officials who are being monitored by a political appointee who would keep them within the legitimate bounds of an investigation Mueller has not brought one charge involving collusion with russians he's never going to bring a charge involving collusion because there was none the charges against manafort predate his association with Donald Trump by many, many years. The, the, per, the, the lying to the FBI charge against uh, Michael Flynn is a ludicrous charge. I know why he did it. He wanted to save his family and his son from everything. Flynn was indicted for lying to the FBI about conduct that is completely legal, talking to the Russian ambassador, talking to anybody overseas. He could do that when he was an employee of the campaign or when he was on the transition team. All of that is perfectly legal conduct. George uh, Papadopoulos, who pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI, he he he, he lied to the FBI about perfectly legal conduct, about his contacts with people overseas. There's nothing illegal about that. Any American in the government or outside the government can communicate with any foreigner they want to. Now, if they take money and they're representing them, they have to report that. They have to, and, and that Manafort did not do, and so maybe there's a case there. I don't know. Uh, who knows what the circumstances were. But the bottom line is this. Mueller, and the way he has conducted his investigation, is an embarrassment to anyone who's ever been a special counsel, which I was. I was an independent counsel. Hiring all of these partisan Democrats to conduct the investigation, he's not naive. Bob Mueller's been around too long. You can't be that dumb to not realize how horrible it is to have these people. These people are not biased against the president. They have an animus toward the president. There is a distinct difference. I believe that his entire investigation, Mueller's entire investigation, has been tainted by this animus. There's no way you can have people who have donated to the Clintons, donated to Obama, represented the Clinton Foundation, represented Clinton individuals in criminal investigations, and then have those people who have given to President Trump's opponent investigate President Trump. I don't know what Mueller is thinking of.
1: Since you're bringing up the Mueller investigation mm-hmm. and the apparent focus on investigating Trump's Russian collusion, isn't it interesting that Mueller and Comey and Rosenstein and, and Others were involved in a Russia collusion story for Obama-Clinton.
2: Mueller, first of all, never should have been appointed because there was no need for a special counsel. That's number one. Number two, he never should have been appointed because he knows James Comey. They're personal and professional friends and have been so for many years. Comey is a target of this investigation. He's clearly been involved in activities which could be deemed illegal and criminal. There's no way Mueller can investigate him or anybody else at the senior people that he worked with. And yet, here he is investigating Russian collusion when he presided over, as FBI director, the investigation into Uranium One, which was a clear kickback bribery scheme by the Russians to bribe Bill Clinton as ex-president with speech money, to bribe Hillary Clinton with speech money for her husband, and 145 $5 million dollars in contributions to the Clinton Foundation and to get a result of selling 20% of the uranium supply of the United States to a Russian-controlled company. The notion that Mueller could investigate that, having been a party to the investigation, is ridiculous. But here's the other thing. Mueller, who was FBI at the director of time, knew about the Uranium One investigation of Russian corruption and bribery. Did he go To tell James Comey or anybody at the Justice Department that this case was under investigation and that they should warn CFIUS, the committee that approves foreign investment, did he go? And if he went to see somebody in the Justice Department, like let's say he went to see Eric Holder, and Eric Holder, who sits on CFIUS, says, "Uh, I don't think that's relevant to the sale of Uranium One. Or did uh, Eric say, "Okay, fine, I'll, I'll let him know. We do not know what CFIUS was told about Uranium-1. There have been published reports that they were told nothing about it. And here's the other part of this. If Mueller knew that this was there, why didn't he go to CFIUS on his own and say, I don't know what you're being told, but I'm going to report to you uh, that this is pretty serious stuff and you need to know about it. He didn't do that. Why didn't Mueller do that? And so what we're left with is this nagging sensation that all of a sudden these really great investigators lose all of their skills and nobody talks to anybody about Uranium One. The other thing is this. Everybody always says in defense of Hillary, well, she was only one of nine. There were nine agencies. But they forget the, one, the most important fact of all. It only takes one vote to stop a deal. Hers. And you know what? She was bought. She wasn't going to vote no. She, wasn't, she knew about the bribery that was going on. Her husband was involved in it. She could have stopped the Uranium One sale with one vote. That's all it takes in CFIUS. If one member of CFIUS, one of nine, says no, it is done. She didn't vote no, and she could have. So the answer to this is, it's not that she was one of nine. It's that she was one of nine, and she didn't stop it.
1: So if the House were to turn over to the Democrats after the midterm elections... What are the stakes for the truth that we're trying to get told uh, in these investigative matters?
2: Well, that's why it's important for the House to complete its work now uh, and not wait any longer. I mean, it's clear that Adam Schiff and the Democrats are trying to delay so that they can prevent the publication of any information. That's, of course, not going to happen. The Republicans will publish all their information. They'll release all the information well in advance of November of 2018 and January of 2019. If the Democrats were to take over the House, um, uh, that would be a disaster from a public policy standpoint. And certainly for the president, I have no doubt that there would be a number of Democrats that would want to try and impeach uh, President Trump. I, 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 I actually don't know if they could succeed, even in the House, if it were run by Democrats. But if they did, uh, they'd never be able to do anything in the Senate. It just it just wouldn't work. You have to have 67 votes to convict them in the Senate. They're never going to get them.
0: And that's the uh, that's the end of that interview. And you know what I liked about that interview with Joe DeGenova and Ginny Thomas? Uh, aside from the content, which was just compelling and very, very easily understood, he did a great job of laying it out. She did not interrupt him throughout that interview. And I have to tell you that, you know, I I cannot listen to an Alex Jones interview for that reason, nor can I listen to a Lionel Nation interview for that reason. It is so absolutely annoying. It's exasperating. Their the, your guest is on, and they're on a roll, and they're 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 doing a train of thought, and they're just they're moving. That train is just chugging down the track, and they're moving. And then the host steps in and throws them right off the track, just to. Be- in some cases, be a showman. Okay, uh, in most cases, all right. Never do they come in. Not never, but rarely do they come in and ask a pertinent, relevant question, or ask for a point of um, uh, explanation. Maybe uh, something that was said. And, you know, jumping in to say, and 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 what did you mean by that? You know, just for clarification. But I, I she did a wonderful job interviewing him, and that, that's. That's what I try to do if I have guests, which I don't have very often anymore. But let the guest talk. You've got them coming on because they have the expertise. They are the experts. You want them to share what they know with your listeners. Let them talk. Shut up. Zip it. Just a pet peeve of mine. All right. While we were listening to that, one of our listeners in the chat room, Fly, Fly Catch, um, brought up a... Um, A uh, a, a, a post that I had done uh, this morning and it was um, an image uh, that looked like it might have been from Q. Now let me tell you the kind of like the genesis of this, all right? The image was believed to have been posted on 8chan, on the 8chan board yesterday, but it has since been removed. 8chan users speculated that it was leaked from the now infamous four-page house memo And that's why it was taken down by the board operators. However, Dan Bongino also posted it on his Twitter feed and removed it. And the image, according to George Webb, who grabbed it from Bongino's tweet and posted it on his own Twitter page, I thought, isn't that interesting? So I texted George, and I said, you know, what's the deal with this? And he said he thinks the image is a fake. I told George about the mysterious disappearances at both sites at the 8chan site at Dan Bongino's Twitter feed and George said I think it's a, it's the image is a fake. But is it? I'm going to read it to you. And again, it's definitely not by Q because it doesn't have the same ID uh, code that Q uses. And that's one way to be able to identify if it's legitimate, okay? Because nobody else has that identification code. It's like uh, like your Social Security number. Nobody else has it, or at least nobody else is supposed to have it. But what what this uh, said, it was posted uh, on Sunday at 1847.45. So what's that 18? That's uh, the, the 6 o'clock, I guess, 6 o'clock in the evening. I don't know. I'm not good with um, military time. But anyway, you figure it out. Here is what it said. Officials implicated, be advised, you are hereby served notice that this report contains the names of present and former government officials, military and intelligence agency personnel, and analyzes their various illegal and potentially treasonous activities, which must be investigated by authorities from Congress, the White House, the Department of Defense Inspector General, the State Department Inspector General, and the Department of Justice Inspector General as well as certain international law enforcement agencies. Be advised, you are hereby served notice that government agencies and persons directly implicated in criminal activities in this report include, and then the next series of dots, okay? State Department, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, and State Department Coordinator for Counterterrorism, Central Intelligence Agency, Director John Brennan, Department of Treasury, terrorist finance, former Tr- Secretary of Treasury Tim Geithner, U.S. Central Command, terrorist financing, MacDill Air Force Base, Department of Justice, former Attorney General Eric Holder, Assistant Attorney General Lanny Brewer, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, Clinton Foundation, attorney and member of Robert Mueller investigation team, Jeannie Ree. Be advised, you are hereby served notice that on July 27, 2016, Mr. xxx received phone and email communications concerning terrorist financing intelligence involving international banks and Libyan terrorist intelligence, confirmed by Michael Flynn, former National Security Advisor. These communications were illegally surveilled by Obama administration officials at the FBI, CIA, NSA, and prompted them to fabricate false Russian collusion stories as propaganda countermeasures to these communications, parentheses, classified. So you can see why people might have been fooled into thinking, oh, wow, somebody got a hold of the four-page memo and they're posting it on the Chan boards. Well, evidently, it has been uh, judged to be a fake, okay? And like I said, what I told you about how the genesis of it first showing up at 8chan and then Dan Bongino posting and removing it from his Twitter feed, but not before George Webb saw it on Dan Bongino's and grabbed it and put it on his Twitter feed. And then my contacting George and asking him, uh, I said, George, the Bongino image you tweeted evidently came from 8chan. The mods there have removed it much to the protest of Chan users. Also, Bongino has removed it from his Twitter page. Chan users are concluding that the image is genuine, that it came from the four-page memo. Why else would 8chan mods remove it and Bongino delete it? George wrote back, it looks fake to me. The fake stuff always goes overboard. So there you have it, okay? So now with that, let's move on to... um, let, uh, before we move to Q, okay, I want to share with you, there's something that Q mentions about Scalia in his newest posts. But before we get to that, I want to share with you something that appeared in the Daily Mail. I, actually, before I get to that, Representative John Ratcliffe, who's a Republican from Texas, he's on the House Judiciary Committee, he did an interview with um, – Trey Gowdy on the Martha McCallum show, okay. And in it, he talks about a five-month gap discovered in the new FBI texts, and they talk about a secret society. It's very strange. I don't. I don't have the. Um, uh, I can't. I, I'm not going to play it for you, but the, you, you have to see it. You have to see this. Go and find it. Watch Trey Gowdy's face when Representative Ratcliffe says secret society. There's something going on here in the text between stroke and page. They're referencing a secret society. Okay. Now, having said that, I want to tell you, and I want to give credit to a shout out to Amy um, Sassy for cluing me in on this. She gave me the heads up on this. So she's All over this right now, so she's she's pretty up to speed. This is an article that appears in the Daily Mail, and I'm going to click on it. and It's about Antonin Scalia, and it is posted February 2016. Okay, so that makes it what two years old now. Justice Scalia spent his final hours in the company of a secret society of hunters that has existed since the 1600s. Now maybe you knew this. I didn't know this. So this is all news to me. Scalia was found dead on a Texas ranch on the morning of February 13th. It has now been revealed that uh, the several of his 35 companions during the trip were members of the International Order of St Hubertus. H U B E R T U S, like Hubertus, Hubertus. Like Hubert, us, Hubertus. The Secret of Hunting Society was founded in 1695 in Central Europe. John Poindexter, the owner of the ranch and the man to find Scalia dead, and C. Alan Foster, a lawyer and Scalia's travel companion, are members. Private planes belonging to two former members were also chartered to the ranch, though it's not clear if the owners attended. Kind of a weird situation here, because I know there have been a lot of questions about Scalia's uh, demise. Foster traveled on a private plane to the ranch with Scalia after he opted to leave his U.S. marshal detail behind, while Poindexter was the man who found the Supreme Court justice dead in bed on the morning of February 13th. Ranks in this order, this secret order, include the Grand Prior, the most senior position, the Grand Master, and the Knight Grand Officer, though it is not clear which of these roles the men occupy. According to records unearthed by the Washington Post, private planes owned by Wallace Happy Rogers III and A.J. Lewis III were also chartered to the ranch, but it's unclear if the men were there. Rogers, a prominent hunter and museum owner, and Lewis, the owner of a restaurant wholesale business, are both former members of the order's elite. Okay. It goes on from there, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the link. Again, this is in the Daily Mail, and it goes back two years. And this is the first I've seen it. This is the first I've heard about it. Okay. I don't – I yeah. The headline, if you're looking for it, uh, is – Justice Scalia spent his final hours in the company of a secret society of hunters that has existed since the 1600s, okay? All right, so having said that, let's go on now to the QAnon posts. And uh, let me jump over here. I'm going to read to you uh, what he posted on January 21st, and then I'm going to share with you what Dr. Corsi Uh, thinks of it, because he has decoded it, okay, or at least given us the benefit of his um, amazing, amazing um, background and experience and opinion. So this was posted uh, January 21st, last night, Uh, actually yesterday afternoon, 14, what's that, two o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern? Will Sessions drop the hammer? one of 22 hashtag memo shifts narrative hashtag memo reinstates sessions authority re Russia slash all hashtag memo factually demonstrates collusion at highest levels hashtag memo factually demonstrates Hussein admin weaponized intel community to ensure D victory open bracket plus insurance close bracket hashtag memo factually demonstrates quote knowingly false intel close quote provided to FISA judges to obtain warrant parentheses S warrants in capital letters they never Thought she would lose open bracket boldface the 16-year plan to destroy America close bracket Hussein open bracket the number eight close bracket install rogue ops leak C Intel slash mill assets cut funding to mill command of Generals launch good guy takedown parentheses, (internal remove) close parentheses dash Valerie Jarrett parentheses, (sniffer) close parentheses S A P sell-off Snowden open source Prism slash KeyScore (catastrophic to U S mill versus bad actors) (ww) close paren plus Clowns, slash, dash, no such agency. Then all this will become clear when when I share with you what uh, Corsi says. Target, slash, weaken conservative base, parentheses, IRS, slash, MSM, uh, close, paren. Open border, open, paren. Flood illegals, colon, D, win, close, paren. ISIS slash MS 13 fund slash install parentheses fear targeting slash removal domestic assets etc parentheses blind INK bracket in bold letters nuke build close bracket next line open bracket class dash one two three close bracket and class is spelled C L A S. Blind Eye Iran, open bracket, boldface, fund and supply, close bracket. Blind Eye, open bracket, boldface, class 23 41, close bracket. Stage SC, open bracket, A S, Antonin Scalia. Open bracket, bold face, 187, close bracket, close bracket. 187 is a code, police code, used in the Los Angeles Police Department to indicate a murder. That's all on the same line with stage SC. U1 fund slash supply Iran slash NK. Open bracket, bold face, plus reduce U.S. capacity, close bracket. Kill NASA, parentheses, prevent space domination, slash, allow bad actors to take down milsats, slash, WW, secure comms, slash, install WMDs, close parentheses, in all caps, risk of EMP space orange, O R I G. Parentheses, helpless, close parentheses. Open bracket, bold face, class 1-99, close bracket. HRC, open bracket, bold, eight, close bracket. WW3, open bracket, bold, death and weapons real, slash, war, fake and controlled, close bracket. Open bracket, bold, population growth control, slash, Pocket billions, close bracket. Eliminate final rogue ops within gov- government slash mill, military. Kill, kill economy, open bracket bold, starve slash need slash enslave, close bracket. Open borders, revise constitution, ban sale of firearms, open parentheses, second amend removal, close parentheses. Install on team SC justices with a with, forgot, with the carrot sign. The carrot looks like a sideways V. Yeah. Legal uh, legal wins across spectrum of challengers. Open parentheses AS one eighty seven. Close parentheses. Again, there's the reference to Antonin Scalia and murder removal of electoral college open bracket all bold pope vote uh, vot, pop, pop pop vote um easier manipulation ha, um, slash illegal votes slash means close bracket limit slash remove funding of mil mill closure of us mill installations ww open bracket, bold, Germany first, close bracket. Destruction of opposing MSM slash other news outlets, parentheses, censoring, close parentheses. parentheses. Class 1-59, open bracket, EVIL, EVIL is in all caps. Narrative, intercept, open bracket, bold, 4 a.m., close bracket. Sessions, Russian ops. Repub Distortion of Facts to Remove Mueller, Open Bracket Bold, POTUS Free Pass, Close Bracket, Shut Down Primary Reasons, Distract, Weaken Military Assets, Inc. Illegal Votes, INC, Including, Black Voters Abandoning, Quote, Keep Them Starved, Quote, Keep Them Blind, Quote, Keep Them Stupid, HRC, March 13, 2013, open bracket, boldface, intercept, close bracket. The Great Awakening, here's the decoding, according to Dr. Corsi. Will Sessions drop the hammer? This post explains what is in the memo prepared by House Intelligence Committee Devin Nunes, chairman, not yet made public. QAnon is putting the question to Attorney General Sessions directly. Does Sessions have the courage to bring criminal investigations against Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, as well as criminal elements in the DNC, the FBI, and the DOJ? If Sessions lacks the nerve after the Nunes memo has been made public, Sessions will be replaced by President Trump. One of 22. This relates back to QAnon post number 151134 on December 22nd, I decoded that post here, and he's got a link to a Scribe D um, uh, uh, page. You must go back and read this decode to fully understand the current QAnon post. Eric Schmidt resignation announced on 12-21-17 after Trump signs executive order on confiscating assets of international human rights abusers, implements capital seizure for offenders of Magnitsky Act, Earlier that day. That's one down based on EO signed 1221. Open bracket read, colon, 1-2 slash 2. 1 of 22 comes from reading the month and date together, 1221, 2, 2, 1, and picking the first three numbers, a numerology coding trick for mirror numbers like 1221, 2, 2, 1, in which the first One-two mirrors the last two-one. I know, gets kind of crazy. So Eric Schmidt is the one, the first to resign, from the 22. Many others who will resign as a result of Trump's signing of the EO. There will be many more. QAnon published this post, number 151134, on 12-22-17 at 5.37 p.m., after publishing a post on Thursday, 12-21-17, noting Eric Schmidt's resignation and Trump's Magnitsky Act executive order were related events. Eric Schmidt and Google play a major role in Hillary Clinton's 2016 election computer technology, with Eric Schmidt asking to be Hillary's main outside advisor. Eric Schmidt was a key conspirator developing the Russian collusion narrative against Trump. Eric Schmidt funded CrowdStrike, the initial group to claim the theft of DNC and Podesta emails was a Russia hack. Eric Schmidt funded Hillary's campaign that in turn funded Fusion GPS to advance the Russian collusion narrative as insurance in case Trump won the election. Reference to Peter Strzok instant message with Lisa Page, referencing Lisa Page's suggestion in Andrew McCabe's FBI office that CrowdStrike and Fusion GPS dossier were the evidence of Trump-Russia collusion that could be used now not to block Trump's campaign, but as insurance to impeach Trump should he win the 2016 presidential election. Hashtag memo shifts narrative. Once the Nunes memo is made public, the narrative will shift from Trump-Russia collusion to focus on a hard-left Democratic Party coup d'etat aimed at transforming the American Constitutional Republic into a globalist New World Order, European-style socialist communist state with no borders. On the model of the original European Union. Hashtag memo reinstate regarding Russia slash all. After the Nunes memo is made public, Sessions will no longer be afraid Mueller will investigate him as part of the Trump Russia collusion narrative given Sessions' participation in the Trump campaign and his casual interactions there that Sessions had with various Russians. Sessions has been compromised, living in fear he will be investigated by Mueller and indicted. Once the Nunes memo is made public, Sessions will cancel his recusal from the Russian collusion investigation, and he will become the aggressive AG that Trump thought he had when he appointed Sessions to head the DOJ. This is QAnon's prediction of the power the Nunes memo will have on the American public when the American public get a chance to read it, probably next week. Hashtag memo factually demonstrates collusion at highest levels. The Nunes memo made public will alert the American people to the Democratic Party coup d'etat undertaken in large part through Obama, Hillary, Podesta, collusion with Russia. Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Podesta, plus many others, are guilty of treason. Hillary was right, parentheses Hillary's tantrum after NBC Commander-in-Chief Forum in September 2016 when she said, if we lose the election, we will all hang Hashtag memo factually demonstrates Hussein admin weaponized intel community to ensure D victory plus insurance. The Nunes memo, when made public, will prove the Obama administration weaponized the intelligence community to ensure the Democrats would win the 2016 presidential election. The weaponizing included using the Fusion GPS dossier to get FISA court approval to conduct electronic surveillance on Donald Trump's campaign. Also included was President Obama's plan to unmask and leak information detrimental to Trump's campaign that was gained from the illegally obtained FISA electronic surveillance. After McCabe communicates the Lisa Page insurance idea to Loretta Lynch, the HRC conspiracy develops as a pyramid structure with Obama at the top calling the shots needed to use the Fusion GPS dossier to get FISA court-ordered approval to conduct electronic surveillance on Donald Trump and principles in Trump campaign. Other two legs of pyramid connect to the Clinton campaign through John Podesta and to the intel community via Clapper and Brennan. CIA Director John Brennan the CIA handler of Barry Sotoro, a.k.a. Sobaka, a.k.a. Barack Hussein Obama, led the effort to sell the Russia collusion narrative to the mainstream media and the American public in order to prevent Donald Trump from serving out his term in office should he, parentheses, win the election. They never thought she would lose. Obama, the Clintons, the DNC, and the U.S. intelligence community planned their coup d'etat boldly, never imagining Donald Trump would win. Now this next part is really chilling. Their plan to destroy America. The next section of the QAnon Post details the Democrats' 16-year coup d'etat plan to destroy America as a constitutional republic. Hussein, bracket 8, close bracket. The Democrats' plan began with Barack Obama serving two terms, eight years as president. The Democrats' planned Obama would be followed by Hillary Clinton's two terms, eight years as president. 16 years into the two presidencies combined. Install rogue ops. Hillary would follow Obama's plan to put rogue political operatives at key positions throughout the federal government. Think John Brennan at CIA, James Clapper, DNI, Eric Holder and Loretta Lynch as Attorney General, Valerie Jarrett in White House, James Comey at FBI. The list goes on. Include Muslim Brotherhood operatives placed at key positions in NSA, CIA, etc. Leak CI intel slash mill assets. The Obama administration and the planned Hillary Clinton administration leaked key CIA intelligence and compromise military assets to weaken the U.S. national defense system. Think Obama and Clinton, with the assistance of John Kerry, selling U.S. military technology to Russia as part of Secretary Clinton and John Podesta's reset program with Russia. Think shutting down NASA space program to hand over U.S. space program to space intern turned over U.S. space weapons technology knowledge to North Korea and Iran. Cut funding to MIL. The Obama and planned Hillary Clinton administration were to cut military spending dramatically, reducing the USA to a second-rate world power with a military at pre-World War I levels, old naval ships. U.S. Air Force flying old planes by robbing the airplane graveyards for spare parts. Command Away from Generals The Obama and planned Hillary Clinton administrations demoted or forced to retire any military commander who wanted a strong military to defend the USA. The only military commanders promoted by the Obama and planned Hillary Clinton administrations were to be those who accepted the LGBT agenda, sex change operations for transgender soldiers at taxpayer expense, eliminated any discussion of radical Muslims as terrorists, accepted a nuclear-armed Iran and North Korea, advanced the Palestinian agenda to destroy Israel as a Jewish state, and promote Muslim Brotherhood control throughout the Middle East and Africa. All military sent to TDY, which is temporary duty, for equal opportunity anti-discrimination, reprogramming all military plus civilians working with military to accept diversity ideological training. Launch good guy takedown, internal remove. Valerie Jarrett sniffer the Obama and planned Hillary Clinton administrations removed from the bureaucracy any patriots determined to do their constitutional duty with Valerie Jarrett designed to sniff out and remove from the federal bureaucracy any officers or employees not loyal to the Democrats hard-left ideology and agenda SAP sell-off. The Obama and planned Hillary Clinton administrations aimed to compromise all special asset program, SAP, highly sensitive intelligence protocols, and SAP actors, spies, worldwide. Think of the amount of SAP State Department information found on Hillary Clinton's private server target slash weaken conservative base, parentheses IRS slash MSM. Obama implemented a program at the IRS to deny conservative and libertarian groups from obtaining tax-favored 501c3 and 501c4 funding started with a goal to block Tea Party groups in 2012 from replicating their success gaining donations used in defeating Democrats in the 2010 midterm elections. The Obama administration reinstated the CIA Project Mockingbird program to fund leftist journalists and authors of the mainstream media to attack and ridicule conservative and libertarian journalists and authors. The Obama administration introduced net neutrality rules that allowed Internet giant-edge providers to censor at will all conservative and libertarian content, while requiring the Internet service providers to carry the giant-edge providers, that would be Google, Facebook, Twitter, and biased and censored content on a premium basis. The Obama administration allowed the Internet giant edge providers to dominate the Internet content and revenue space advertising without fear of DOJ or Federal Trade Commission antitrust lawsuits. Open border, paren, flood illegals, D win isis ISIS-slash-MS-13, fund, install, paren, fear, targeting-slash-removal, domestic assets, etc., The Obama and planned Hillary Clinton administrations maintained open border policies, knowing Hispanic illegal immigrants would vote Democratic, ensuring Democratic Party electoral wins. Obama and Hillary created and funded ISIS while shipping ISIS weapons through Libya. Think Benghazi and Ambassador Chris Stevens' mission, gun running, and death, cover-up Obama-Clinton gun running. The Obama-Clinton goal was to instill fear in the U.S. population, targeting conservatives and libertarian leaders and media for removal, while installing domestic hard-left operatives to create chaos. Soros funding Black Lives Matter, Antifa, etc. Blind Eye and Nuke Build. Obama and Secretary Clinton, as well as Secretary Kerry, did nothing to stop North Korea's drive to develop nuclear weapons. Obama and Clinton blocked all intel information that would have warned U.S. military and population of the growing NK threat. Obama and Clinton decimated USA Human Intel Network. MSM, mainstream media, lied and would not report on NK developing nuke threat. Class 1, 2, 3. Clapper organizes classified intel agency co-conspirator operatives in range of USA intel agencies 1 through 3, CIA, DNA, NSA, as witnessed by DNI Clapper's, quote, background to assessing Russia collusion in U.S. elections, close quote. In producing the background assessment, Clapper relied on CrowdStrike fake intel in an attempt to claim there was a consensus among U.S. intelligence agencies to conclude that Russia interfered in the 2016 U.S. presidential election. Clapper needed the CrowdStrike documents in his attempt to uh, legitimate the otherwise no evidence Russia collusion narrative. The three top classified Intel agency co-conspirator operatives went beyond the NSA, DNI, and CIA to include House and Senate Democratic Party operatives in Congress, including Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, as well as ranking Democratic members of House and Senate Intel and Judiciary Committees. Blind Eye Iran fund and supply. Secretary Clinton and Secretary Kerry went beyond just turning a blind eye to Iran's nuclear weapons program. With the negotiated settlement with Iran, Obama shipped military cargo airplanes full of cash to Tehran, and the sanctions against Iran were lifted. Obama, Clinton, Kerry funded Iran, including Iran's exporting terrorism and Ultimate Approval and Allowed Covert Advance of Iran's Weapons Development Program. Blind Eye, Class 23-41. Co-conspirators get support in Congress from Charles Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Adam Schiff. Co-conspirators focus on reliable agencies capable of handling classified information. Recruited into conspiracy are Class 1, D.N.I., Class 2, C.I.A., Class 3, D.O.J., Class 4, F.B.I., Class 5, Ranking Member Senate Intel, Class 6, Ranking Member Senate Judiciary. QAnon suggests the democratic coup d'etat penetration of U.S. deep straight intelligence network was extensive. These were the 17 intel agencies Clapper said agreed with the DNI assessment that Russia intervened in the U.S. 2016 presidential election. Stage SC, open bracket, AS, open bracket, 187, close bracket. 187 equals murdered. QAnon suggests Democratic deep state coup d'etat. Murdered Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. U-1 fund slash supply Iran slash NK, open bracket, plus reduce U.S. capacity, close bracket. The Obama-Clinton coup d'etat Democrats planned the Uranium One scandal, with the Clinton Foundation receiving millions in pay-to-play, quote, donations in order to fund Iran and North with the uranium needed, delivered via Russia's state-owned energy giant, Rosatom, to develop their nuclear weapons deliverable by ICBMs. The Uranium One plan also allowed the Obama-Clinton coup d'etat Democrats to limit the USA supply of uranium needed, both for USA domestic electricity generation and for weapons needs. Kill NASA, prevent space domination, slash, allow bad actors to take down MILSats, slash, WW Secure Communication. Obama and Clinton's plan was to shut down NASA's space program, allowing Eric Schmidt and Elon Musk of SpaceX to take over U.S. military space program. Obama and Clinton wanted co-conspirators to take down U.S. military satellites needed for national defense, take down worldwide secure communications the U.S. government needs for national security, while allowing rogue states to install weapons of mass destruction in space. Let that sink in. Parentheses, Helpless. The Obama-Clinton Democratic Party planned coup d'etat aimed at leaving American patriots and the American military helpless to defend the Constitution by weakening U.S. national security to the point where the USA was a second-rate power easily subject to Russian and Chinese domination. This has been the goal of the globalists and international central bankers for generations, a nightmare Obama and Clinton felt they had within their grasp once Hillary was elected in 2016. Class 1-99. The Obama-Clinton Democratic Party planned coup d'etat envisioned taking over and corruption every intelligence agency in the U.S. government. HRC, uh, open bracket 8, close bracket, WW3, open bracket, death and destruction real slash war fake and controlled, close bracket, open bracket, population growth control slash pocket billions. Hillary would use her eight years as president to cause World War III. World War III would envision death and destruction on a massive, never-before-imagined scale of horror. The war would be fake and controlled, MSM, mainstream media, with Hillary's World War III waged to kill off billions of the world's populations while allowing the globalists, including Hillary, Obama, Podesta, and their co-conspirator Minions to pocket huge wealth on a global scale. Eliminate final rogue ops with government mill. When the Obama-Hillary 16 years in the presidency were completed, the U.S. government and the U.S. military would be toothless, unable to counteract any rogue actors anywhere in the world. Iran and North Korea nuclear wars would be unleashed as the beginning of the final act in the globalist central banker's nightmare dream of world conquest. Obama and Hillary planned that Satan would win. Kill economy, starve, need, and slave. When the Obama-Hillary 16 years in the presidency were completed, the U.S. middle class would be destroyed. The U.S. population, what was left of it, would be reduced to a status of enslavement, starvation, death, and disease. Open borders, revised constitution, ban sale of firearms, second amendment removal. When the Obama-Hillary 16 years in the presidency were completed, the U.S. would have no borders, The Constitution would be revised to remove the Bill of Rights and all fundamental U.S. freedoms, and the population would be disarmed by the repeal of the Second Amendment. Install on-team SC Justices Legal Wins Across Spectrum of Challengers, AS 187. When the Obama-Hillary 16 years in the presidency were completed, Justices, and that's in quote, justices would be installed on the Supreme Court that were, quote, on team with the Democratic Party coup d'etat co-conspirators. Remember Justice Antonin Scalia. Any Supreme Court challenger loyal to the Constitution, as written by our founding fathers, would be murdered by the Obama-Hillary traitors. Removal of Electoral College pop vote easier manipulation illegal votes soros machines when the obama hillary 16 years were completed there would be no electoral college future presidents would be elected by a majority of the popular vote giving control to large states like california new york and new jersey that can easily be overrun with illegal immigrants voting for the traitors and their anti-american conspiracy We're just about out of time, and this goes on for quite, quite some length. I'm going to give you the uh, link to it. Again, this is over at uh, Scribe. And here we go. There you go. For you folks who uh, aren't uh, listening live and don't uh, have the ability to uh, see this, um, let me see if I can make it easier for you. Uh, Let's see. What you want to go do is go to is scri, Scribd, Scribd, S-C-R-I-B-D dot com. And you want to look for, you want to do a search for um, uh, documents that have been uploaded by Jerome Corsi. Okay. And you'll you'll run into all of these. This one is titled QAnon Decode for Posts, Sunday, January 21st, 2011. Will Sessions drop the hammer, dot, dot, dot. Now, I will tell you again that there are some new posts, and we didn't even get to them. I'm going to go ahead and give you the link to that. And um, let me do that. Let me put that in the chat room first, and then I'm going to go ahead and – there we go. All right, for those of you who aren't listening, um, you need to go to Q, Code Fag. I gave you this before, so you might have it written down already q code fag c that's q c o d e f a g code fag okay dot github and that's g i t h u b dot i o all right one more time q code fag hub dot i o all right okay um I was going to leave you with something else, too. Tracy Beans did a wonderful um, thread on Twitter. And uh, if I'd had left myself enough time, I would have shared it with you because it's just, it's a very, it's inspired. It's absolutely inspired. So I'm going to put that in the chat room, too. And I'll tell you, folks, if you go to her um, Twitter page, just type in Tracy Beans, B-E-A-N-Z, and look for her thread of January 21st, in which she starts, For decades, many brave patriots have been researching, protesting, giving all of their sweat and tears and energy, trying to help alert American people to what was happening in our great country. It's It's inspired. It really is. It's from the heart. It's wonderful. All right. Like I said, two hours just isn't enough sometimes. It just isn't enough. So, anyway. All right. We'll see you again tomorrow night, Thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. It's always, always such a but It's valuable to you as well. We'll see you tomorrow night. God bless you all. God bless America. God bless President Trump. The art of the deal, baby. The art of the deal. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow night. Don't forget to say your prayers, everybody. Good night.